Making sure a business thrives is challenging, but sometimes the solution can lie right in the numbers. Uh, specifically, 37,000, 25, and 1. Now, these aren't just figures. They're a gateway to more visibility and decisive control in your business. Let's start with 37,000. That's the amount of businesses who've embraced NetSuite by Oracle, the ultimate cloud financial system revolutionizing accounting, financial management, HR, and beyond. And 25? That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do everything from accelerating financial closures to slashing operational costs. And every business is unique, making yours the one that matters. NetSuite offers tailored solutions to amplify your key performance indicators, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Ready to optimize? Download NetSuite's coveted KPI checklist, engineered to elevate your performance consistently, absolutely free. Visit netsuite.com slash cbs now. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. Tonight, rallying the allies, President Biden and NATO leaders target China and Russia while the president looks ahead to his high-stakes meeting with Vladimir Putin. The president says NATO stands together as leaders call Russia a threat and China a constant security challenge. Plus, sizing up Putin. He's bright, he's tough, a worthy adversary. 600,000 COVID deaths as the U.S. nears another terrible milestone. New concerns about a fall surge of cases as a dangerous variant spreads. Plus, there's news about a possible fourth COVID vaccine. Chemical blast, thick black smoke seen 100 miles away. Mandatory evacuations ordered after an explosion at an industrial plant. What caused it? How long will it burn? The West sizzles triple-digit temperatures in multiple cities. Plus, the latest on two tropical systems. Rage in the skies with more people flying. There's an epidemic of violent incidents. 3,000 this year so far. Why passengers had to restrain an off-duty flight attendant. Netanyahu's exit after 12 years, the Israeli prime minister is out, but he doesn't go quietly. Tonight, the new prime minister faces immediate challenges. Will the fragile ceasefire with Hamas hold? Best in show, the little dog that won the biggest prize. And our salute to dads, how a father's inspiration and ultimatum helped a high school senior make history. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Nora is on assignment. I'm Major Garrett. We begin tonight with President Biden reaffirming America's role on the global stage. At the NATO summit in Belgium today, the president called the military alliance critically important to U.S. interests, saying unity is NATO's greatest strength. The cooperative tone of this meeting was in stark contrast to the previous four years. Former President Donald Trump frequently questioned NATO's relevance. The NATO leaders took aim at China in forceful language, calling it a constant security challenge. Ahead of his face-to-face -face meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday, Mr. Biden said he is not looking for conflict, but will respond if Russia continues its quote-unquote harmful activities. The president said those include cyber attacks, interference in U.S. elections, and human rights abuses. There is a lot of new reporting tonight. CBS's chief White House correspondent, Nancy Cordes, leads off our coverage in Brussels. Nancy, good evening to you. Major, President Biden told me today he is going into this meeting with Putin with the full backing of his fellow transatlantic leaders. And he said he even asked them today what they want him to bring up when he sits down with the Russian authoritarian. 
The leaders of the 30 NATO countries, including President Biden, issued a warning about Russia today just ahead of the Biden-Putin summit. In a joint communique, the NATO leaders gathered here in Brussels said Russia's aggressive actions constitute a threat to Euro-Atlantic security. Have any of the world leaders you've met with this week expressed concern that by meeting with President Putin this early in your presidency, that it'll look like you're rewarding him? Every world leader here as a member of NATO that spoke today, and most of them mentioned it, thanked me for meeting with Putin now. Every single one that spoke. President Biden said he'll confront Putin Wednesday about his invasion of neighboring Ukraine, about cyber attacks on U.S. companies by Russia-based hackers, and about the poisoning and jailing of prominent Russian dissidents like Alexei Navalny. Such decisions in this country are not made by the president. They're made by the court. In an interview with NBC News, Putin refused to guarantee Navalny's health and safety. The person that you have mentioned, the same kind of measures will apply, not in any way worse than to anybody else who happens to be in prison. I asked President Biden what it would mean for the U.S.-Russia relationship if Navalny were to die in prison. It would be a tragedy. It would do nothing but hurt his relationships with the rest of the world, in my view, and with me. The NATO leaders here also expressed a tough news stance today on China, saying that that country's assertive behavior presents challenges to the rules-based international order. It reflects a growing concern here, Major, about China's rapidly expanding military and the exercises it's been conducting with Russia. Asking key questions today, Nancy Cordes, thank you so much. And this important programming note ahead of the U.S.-Russia summit, Nora O'Donnell will anchor the CBS Evening News from Geneva beginning tomorrow. Tonight, the U.S. is about to hit a once unimaginable milestone in the COVID pandemic, 600,000 deaths. The death rate, of course, has slowed dramatically, falling more than 90% since its peak in January. But tonight, there are warning signs on the horizon. And Carter Evans has the details. With nearly 600,000 deaths, there's more COVID trouble ahead. The Delta variant is now taking hold in the U.S., 10% of new cases now and doubling every two weeks. It's the most contagious variant yet, even infecting those who are partially vaccinated. It's probably going to become the dominant strain here in the United States. I think the risk is really to the fall that this could spike a new epidemic. The Delta variant is now responsible for 90% of all new COVID cases in the UK. With this spike, the prime minister is now ordering a one month delay for reopening. Back in the US, the first federal ruling on employer vaccine mandates, a federal judge dismissing a lawsuit against Houston Methodist Hospital by healthcare workers who are refusing to be vaccinated. This will be taken all the way to the Supreme Court. This is far from over. But a CBS News poll finds 56% of Americans believe employer vaccine mandates should be allowed. This is vaccination rates stall in much of the country, most notably in southern states. Today, Vice President Harris addressed hesitation in South Carolina. The vaccines, they are safe. 
and they are effective. And a new weapon may be coming by fall. Novavax now reporting its vaccine is 90% effective in clinical trials and could be used as a booster shot. California's vaccination rate already tops 76% as new cases plummeted 98% from the January peak. The state's now lifting all COVID restrictions starting tomorrow. What is this going to do for business? Double it. Um, we're going to have capacity to come back out of the red zone that we're in financially and into the black. Does it feel like it's starting to get back to normal? It really does. Well, this many people on the Santa Monica Pier might have sparked super spreader concerns just a few months ago. Now these big crowds could mean big business again. But a full rebound of the tourism economy here is expected to take two years. Major? Peering into the COVID Delta, Carter Evans, thank you. Tonight, evacuation orders remain in effect near a chemical plant in northern Illinois after an explosion and ferocious fire that is still burning. CBS's Nancy Chen reports tonight from Rockton, Illinois. Wow. The explosion at this chemical plant northwest of Chicago happened shortly after 7 a.m. It sent a huge ball of flames and thick black smoke into the air that could be seen as far as 100 miles away. We stopped water operations at this point. We stopped suppression. We felt it was in our best interest to let this product burn off. The chief says the fire could burn for several days. The plant ChemTool claims it's the largest manufacturer of grease products in the country, which are all burning. Investigators believe the air quality for now is safe. Everyone can see the large plume of smoke, um, but I assure you that there is no uh, danger at ground level at the plant. Investigators are unsure how the fire got started, but said about 70 employees working at the time were able to escape uninjured. We opened our backside glass door and just saw like the willows of smoke come across. Businesses and residents within a mile of the fire had to be evacuated. I wasn't that alarmed until more and more explosions started occurring and you could now see lit fire material raining down. Investigators from the Environmental Protection Agency tell CBS News they have a team conducting air monitoring at the site. In the meantime, local officials are advising people three miles around the plant to wear a mask while outdoors. Major? Nancy Chen, thank you. We want to turn now to the troubling surge in gun violence across our country. This is video from Atlanta. A mall security guard confronted two people in masks on Sunday. One fired his gun. Tonight, the guard is in critical condition. Two 15-year-olds are under arrest. Meanwhile, in Austin, Texas, 14 people were shot Saturday morning. One died in one of 10 mass shootings across seven states this past weekend. Tonight, much of the country is sizzling. Dozens of records are falling with triple-digit temperatures from California to Texas. CBS's Lonnie Quinn joins us with the very hot forecast. Lonnie. Yeah. Oh, you better believe it. You know, Major, when you look at like from California to the southwest, that's what you'd expect to find, the big searing heat this time of the year. But it has bubbled up now all the way into Montana. It was almost as hot in Montana today as it was in New Mexico. Billings was 101. It was 102 in Albuquerque. And that heat is just going to intensify for your day tomorrow. Billings looks like it's going to set a record at 107 degrees. Salt Lake hits 105. If they hit 105 tomorrow in Salt Lake, that will tie the record for the hottest June day ever. 119 tomorrow in Phoenix, Arizona. And that heat dome is just going to stay in place for a good week. Phoenix could have seven straight days of 115 degrees.
degrees or hotter. Now, I do want to check in quickly here on the tropics because, look, we're into the early part of hurricane season. We've got some storms to look at. Tropical depression number two may become tropical storm Bill over the next 24 hours. That's going to stay offshore, maybe just affecting the east coast with some big waves. Then you look at what's around the Bay of Campeche. That does not have a name or a number, but it could possibly get a name or a number within the next five to seven days and possibly affecting anywhere from the coastline from, say, Texas all the way to Alabama. That's not guaranteed, but it is a possibility, so I'm going to keep my eye on everything. Major, let's go back to you. Lonnie, keeping his eye on everything, as always, we thank you. All right. Today we learned the Justice Department's top national security official, a Trump administration holdover, is stepping down at the end of this week. The exit of John Demers is raising questions about what he knew about the department's secret seizure of records from congressional Democrats and journalists. Tonight, top Senate Democrats are demanding that former, former attorneys general Jeff Sessions and Bill Barr testify. The current Attorney General, Merrick Garland, said today he has ordered a review of procedures for obtaining records from lawmakers and reporters. Tonight, the FAA is cracking down as violent incidents on planes are skyrocketing. The latest involves an off-duty flight attendant on a Delta flight from California to Georgia. And we get more now from CBS's Errol Barnett. The FAA is emphasizing new fines tonight in an effort to combat a spike in conflict aboard flights across the country. This weekend, Delta passengers were called by the captain to help subdue an unruly off-duty flight attendant. It's a huge fight. They get him down on the floor and he's flailing everywhere. Brandon Nazarian was aboard flight 1730, shaken by what he witnessed. Everyone is acting crazy on planes now. CBS News also learning tonight that attendant was on leave. It's got to stop. Sarah Nelson represents a flight attendant's union and says airline staff are also becoming the focus for passengers' anger. All workers on the front lines are taking the brunt of the public's anger around this issue that they've been led to believe is a combative issue. Mask wearing is central in most of the FAA's 3,000 reports of unruly behavior this year, with the federal mask mandate for all modes of transit in place until September 13th. Today's enforcement actions include a more than $15,000 fine for a man who allegedly ignored the mask requirement while drinking his own alcohol, and more than $10,000 levied against one woman who also ignored the mask policy while using profanity and caused her flight to be diverted. Joanna Uranga is taking her Joanna first flight Uranga ever tonight with this in mind. You are just abide by the rules. It's not that hard. What a concept, right? Now, this morning, the TSA reported record pandemic air travel, with more than 5.8 million air travelers tallied between Friday and Sunday. And the expectation is those numbers will only creep upwards, Major, in the months ahead. Bigger fines for bad behavior. Errol Barnett, thank you. There is no honeymoon for Israel's new prime minister. Naftali Bennett faces the threat of new street violence as soon as tomorrow. And the man he helped oust refuses to go quietly. CBS's Charlie Daggett is there. Posing for the team photo today, the unlikely coalition that dethroned Benjamin Netanyahu after a 12-year reign. A victory won by a razor-thin margin, just a single-seat majority after a tumultuous session of parliament that saw members of the Knesset thrown out. Netanyahu, fighting corruption cases he denies, remained defiant. We'll be back soon. 
In his first opposition meeting today, he doubled down, vowing to overthrow the government. He was pushed out of power by a protege, Naftali Bennett, who called for reconciliation amid the heckling and jeers. Celebrations broke out the moment the vote was announced, but perilous times are ahead. The new government faces its first test tomorrow when a right-wing march goes ahead in East Jerusalem. Palestinians are organizing a counter-protest, and Hamas militants have called for a day of rage. Last month, similar protests and street battles spread from Jerusalem to the West Bank and escalated to a full-scale war in Gaza. The Israeli military has raised the alert level and deployed Iron Dome defense batteries ahead of the march. Hamas already threatened to attack if that march went ahead. The last time right-wing demonstrators tried to march last month, Hamas fired rockets toward Jerusalem, setting off that 11-day conflict in Gaza. Major? Charlie Daggett, thank you. Tonight, Hollywood is remembering Ned Beatty, the veteran actor who first lit up the screen in Deliverance back in 1972. Beatty received an Oscar nomination for his role as a TV executive in Network. He also played Lex Luthor's henchman in the 1978 blockbuster Superman. Ned Beatty died of natural causes Sunday in his home in Los Angeles. He was 83. In Minneapolis, one person was killed and three others injured when a man drove his SUV into a crowd protesting police brutality. This happened Sunday night. Some in the crowd pulled a suspect from his vehicle and attacked him before he was taken into custody. Police say drugs or alcohol may have been a factor in the crash. COVID took an unexpected toll on the Girl Scouts. They say they are stuck with 15 million boxes of unsold cookies. Many troops across the country couldn't sell their cookies in person last spring because of the pandemic. They're now encouraging people to buy boxes online through its Hometown Heroes program, which distributes cookies to healthcare workers. A tiny dog has won a big trophy. Meet Wasabi. The Pekingese won Best in Show Sunday at the Westminster Kennel Club show. The pandemic forced the event outdoors at an estate rather than indoors at Madison Square Garden. The owner says Wasabi will celebrate with filet mignon, while he, the owner, will sip champagne. This week, we're highlighting remarkable dads ahead of Father's Day. Tonight, how a dad's big push helped his son become the first black male valedictorian in his high school's history. Here is CBS's Anna Werner. Ahmed Mohammed! I stand before you proud and amazed. Ahmed Mohammed topped his class at Oakland Tech High School in a city where only two-thirds of black male high schoolers graduate. For a remarkable academic career with a 4.73 GPA. His high expectations set by his dad. He asks us, what are we going to school for? And the answer is to prepare and to compete with the best in the world. Dad, retired firefighter Rahman Mohammed. I said, if you're not class valedictorian, Daddy's not coming to your graduation. That's what you said? You told him if you're not valedictorian, I'm not coming? Yes, that's what I told him. Why? Because I wanted him to be prepared. I wanted him to put forth that effort because that's what it was going to take. His effort put him on the basketball team, too. His coach, Karega Hart. You know, people say you, you're from Oakland, and they got this image of some type of thug. Just all the negative stereotypes that come with that. There's a lot of positivity that comes out of the city. Those stories are not being told enough. Take out those white boxes in there. And he's already making a difference with a nonprofit making science kits for kids. We need more unity and working together and working with each other to raise each other up. So 
that's that's really what I want to do. Making sure as the first black male valedictorian that he won't be the last. Anna Werner, CBS News, Oakland, California. Let's say it again, 4.73 GPA. It is a big night here at CBS. After 200 remote episodes, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert returns with a studio audience. Stephen's guest, the incomparable John Stewart. Now, if you can't watch the evening news live, please set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that's the CBS Evening News. I'm Major Garrett in Washington. Nora O'Donnell is back tomorrow from Geneva. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.